Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. This is Mona Hagag, Principal of Continuum Advisory Group, and I'm excited to introduce the Built Revolution podcast two-part mini-series. Recently, our president, Kelsey Henderson, recorded interviews at the Kirk Construction Industry Project Excellence Award Ceremony with two different award-winning teams. Each year, the Construction Users Roundtable, also known as CURT, recognizes project teams for outstanding delivery of capital projects. The award is divided into two cost categories, and this year, two different Procter & Gamble projects were recognized with the award. Both of these projects were early efforts on P&G's journey into Lean Integrated Project Delivery, or Lean IPD. P&G embarked on this journey under Mike Stone's leadership a few years ago and began by piloting a number of Lean IPD practices across a dozen or so pilot projects. Our team has partnered with PNG on a number of these efforts and has been very proud of the change the organization is driving in their industry. Here's Kelsey speaking with project leadership from Project 211's Box Elder Utah award-winning team about what enabled their success. I'm here with Scott Rice, PNG's program manager, and Kevin Anderson, Flores project manager for the Project 211 in Box Elder Utah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, good to be here. Awesome. So just starting off, will you guys tell me a little bit about the background of Project 211? What were you building and why? Um, Kevin, I'll take that one. This is this is Scott Rice. Um, the background of Project 211, or P211 as we abbreviate it, was to add capacity um, for our baby care business in the Box Elder Utah site, which was an existing P&G site, but only a, a single business unit site. So we were making it, turning it into a multi-business unit site. Okay. And so what set this project apart? What did you guys do to achieve this recognition of the Construction Industry Project Excellence Award? Yeah, good question. This is this is Kevin. I'll take that. I, with Continuum's support and, of course, Procter & Gamble's, from the very get-go of this project, we had a very dedicated thought process and approach to what our end goal was going to be, right? We did these through what we called collaborative design sessions. They were very formal sessions two to three days long where we all got the, the right partners in the room and said, "Where? how do we define success for this project and how do we get there? And then unfortunately on other projects, sometimes you do that and then you go about your merry way for the next year and a half. Well, we did not do that. We continued to meet, continued to review those conditions and say, are these still the right ones and how are we tracking? So I would say that's probably the the best avenue on, on making this uh, a project that was likely to, to get this award tonight. Yes, using it as a process, not an event. Exactly. Uh, let me add to that. I think for me, like I've done projects at P&G. I've been in the capital world for like over 20 years now. <clears throat> and I frequently tell people um, that Project 211 was the best project I've been a part of. Um, and there's a lot of things that were good about it. Um, but I think the thing that stood out the most to me and ultimately what made us the most successful was the collaborative culture that we developed among P&G and Floor and some of the other key subs that were a part of the project. I mean, of course we had issues like 
you know, every project does, but the, uh, the leadership between the different companies on this project really worked well together to, to kind of fight through those issues and find good solutions. And I, th I think a lot of it does go back to what Kevin mentioned about the very beginning, sitting down um, with the key stakeholders and really kind of hammering out what was important to them. What did success look like at the end of this project? Right. And um, I've, I've just never been on a more collaborative um, project site than, than what I had in, uh, in Box Elder. So, That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you're, you're able to share as far as, you know, specific metrics? What were the outcomes? What, you know, what actually um, was the success criteria that set you guys apart for the award? Um, wow, there was lots of success criteria. Um, I mean, as the client, I was, of course, you know, worried about cost and schedule quite a bit, right? The <laughs> traditional, right? Yeah, right. And, and quality. Um, and so, yeah, when I mean, we did really well on those, but I think behind the scenes, um, you know, Kevin and I, and, and you were a part of this too, Kelsey, we set up sort of, uh, what were those kind of conditions of satisfaction? And we measured ourselves. We did, you know, survey of the leadership every four to six weeks. And then Kevin and me and some of the other leaders would get together, um, at the end of those surveys and review the results. And we would walk away and, and put, you know, one or two action items. We didn't try to overdo it. But we said, OK, and luckily for us, the score on most of our conditions that we said we wanted, it was pretty good. Agreed. Um, yeah. But uh, that's that's something specific that we did to make sure that we focused on creating that workplace that um, everybody could you know, work together well. So, yeah, exactly. And this is Kevin. So when we met and talked about those conditions of satisfaction, it wasn't just a yeah, of course, we want to be safe and come under budget and beat our schedule and have pretty darn good quality, right? It wasn't just that. It was, okay, we want that. What are our true measurable metrics, right? Okay, how do we measure quality, right? How do we measure safety? Is it just, well, nobody gets hurt? Is it recordables? Is it leading indicators? Is it lagging, lagging indicators? Um, one of the ones that, uh, in addition to safety and cost and schedule, was um, craft turnover, right? We, mm -hmm. That was definitely one of our conditions of satisfaction. And a really challenging thing at that point in time in the Utah area. Exactly. Very low yeah. unemployment rate, mega projects going on in the area. So, again, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, we're all collaborative. But we really were because in the heat of the battle, you know, myself, I went to one of our key contractors and said, we have an issue here. How can we keep your how can we face this attrition issue? How, how can we keep your key folks here? They came to the table. Right. They even self-funded via an incentive plan we put in place as part of the, the IPD process. They self-funded that and basically threw some funds to their, their lead workers and it kept them on site, kept them motivated. Well, I was, the thing I would add to that, Kevin, is that we, we really did listen to um, all the people on the project. I mean, of course, you guys did your craft survey, which I know is a normal thing for you, a normal thing for us on our projects. But um, you, you just triggered a thought for me about that whole attrition thing. I mean, at the very early part of the project, we started to see some pretty um, scary trends. Yeah, and um, so there was another, a couple other, I would call them um, sort of site condition issues that we worked through that were really uh, a detraction to folks wanting to work on the site. And uh, so we actually went to the plant manager of the existing uh, PNG site there and worked through a pretty tough thing. I mean, it was something that, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. But again, the site also participated in this project. And that's always a challenge when you're doing a project that is, you know, part of an existing running site, which I think uh, this team really dealt super well with. Yeah, exactly. And 
I realize my client sitting right next to me and I'm not just saying that because he is, but I've been in my 14 years with the company on many client brownfield sites where it's, it's the, their way or the highway. And it felt like that at the beginning, as, as Scott said, but that quickly changed when we, we presented these metrics to the, the client uh, plant manager and said, you know, this is going to hurt us. Do we have any wiggle room? Can we, can we do something about this? And something was done. So again, thank you to the P and G and the, the team because they, they worked with uh, us in construction. Absolutely. That's awesome. So what was you guys' experience with Lean IPD coming into this project? Had you worked on any projects before? Were you done this? What were you, you know, were you excited? Were you hesitant? Where were you standing? Yeah, I'll go first. This is Scott. I mean, from my 20 years at P&G, uh, my experience with Lean IPD was seeing a couple of PowerPoint presentations, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this was a first for me. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah, this is Kevin with Floor. Uh, not much more educated than Scott, to be honest. Uh, I, we did go down a bit of the lean route, actually, with Proctor and, and Gamble on a different project on the East Coast. Unfortunately, due to multiple reasons, that project didn't go forward, but we, we started those collaborative design sessions. Um, it was actually with a, a third-party engineer at that point. We were just doing construction. A floor, in my experience, has done some, some lean work that I'm, I'm used to. This lean IPD route and what Continuum and the team have brought to the table is a bit different. Some of the terminology is different. Some of the processes are the same, but the the tools and and, and uh, distances that Continuum brings to the table through collaborative design sessions and, and dashboards is over and beyond what I've seen in previous uh, IPD worlds. Mm -hmm. Was there you know cultural challenges to overcome? You know what was the was there concern from some of the team members about participating in a project like this or any hesitancy that you guys had to address? Yeah, this, this is Kevin. I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Yes is the short answer. Mm -hmm. um, the long answer is yes, because in northern Utah, uh, these contractors, they, they didn't know how to spell Lean IPD. This was definitely their first project. Um, yes, they, they're used to coming in maybe a little bit early on design and, and helping them, but to really lean forward like P&G and Floor did with bringing in the contract before we had all their rates, before a full contract agreements were signed. Um, they're not used to that. So there was a bit of, of hesitancy on, on that point. But again, they leaned in and um, we had floor had worked with some of those contractors in Utah before. So that gave them a bit of comfort. Mm -hmm. uh, they knew Procter & Gamble has, has been in that, that county for quite some time and will be there for quite a bit longer. So they, they knew this was a, a, good, uh, a good effort <coughs> on their part. Was there anything that you guys can point to that you did to build trust or to overcome that sort of an obstacle? Oh, let's see. I know I'm asking I, you to think yeah, back. My, yeah, <laughs> my, uh, well, Scott, you think this, Kevin, yeah. that very first collaborative design session, I know I keep going back to that January 13th, 2016, I think. Wow. Again, wow. For, <laughs> it because of after the national championship Clemson. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, again, continuum, we, I think it was the first or second day, I forget the, the personality test that was done. That oh, the kind of, profile. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, I've done it before, but it literally truly did break the eyes and it brought a designer um, that was just getting involved, the owner, the, the general contractor, and then our contractors all on board. Some of us we had not even met before. And again, it was a great formal icebreaker to start building that trust, I thought. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing that I would add is um, coming out of those CDS collaborative design sessions, um, the team was really uh, good about continuing to just like nearly every day. I mean, three o'clock every day in one of the subcontractors construction trailer, you know, adjusting the plan, going up to the board, um, doing the pull plan. So we really put that piece of Lean IPD into practice, you know, straight from the CDS session throughout the, the life of the project. Maybe could have done a little bit better towards the end, honestly, but um, from the very beginning, we got into that habit of, of doing that. And, um, you know, sometimes you also just get a little bit lucky. And I would say there's a couple areas where we got lucky, especially in some of the people that we ended up with. Um, you don't always get to pick the, the individuals that you end up having from the different the different teams. But, um, you know, especially with our uh, civil structural contractor um, guy named Troy, I mean, he just jumped right in and was really leading these pole planning sessions himself. Right. And um, it just kind of took over. Right. And everybody kind of the momentum built and everybody really enjoyed that. Yeah, right. Infectious. And um, so it kind of just became the way that we did the work. So. Good point. So, so you mentioned, you know, getting together in one of the trailers to go through on a yeah. daily basis, looking at last planner and the full plan and, and right. that sort of thing. Um, there's another award-winning project that was actually profiled on the Built Revolution podcast, and it was an LA courthouse project. It was design build, about $350 million, um, and it finished two years ahead of schedule, Ooh. which was, you know, huge. Um, the owner, GSA, had set up a physical space for collaboration. And they felt like that smooth communication, it contributed to project success. So what was you guys' experience with that? I mean, I heard you mention the trailer. Were there other spaces that were set up? How did you use those? What was the impact? Yeah, this is Kevin. Uh, to Scott's previous point, we definitely could have done a better job, but we, we had a dedicated, um, fairly large uh, space in an existing trailer there on Procter & Gamble's site. We, we called it a, a, a mini big room where we had the sticky notes and the pull planning and we would pull up the 3d model and we would bring the contractors in there not just floor as the gc and designer doing flybys and then walking over to the other csa contractor and saying hey what are you doing here what's going on why this rfi it literally was a collaborative environment in this mini big room um being right there on site where our Greenville design or design team um, East Coast, 2,000 miles away, um, that they would come out and be part of that that big room collaboration as well. So, again, it was very valuable. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add one thing, Kelsey. This is Scott. I, you know, we have actually just recently kicked off another phase, right? And uh, coming out of Project 211, um, seeing that as one of the you know, bigger opportunities that we could do even better, even though we did really great uh, Project 11, as, as the uh, kind of award kind of speaks to. Um, uh, we decided that we wanted to actually set up a dedicated trailer as the big room, right? So we've got that set up already and starting to use it, uh, maybe like you've seen in some other like full-blown uh, lean IPD projects. So we're going to make better use of that on this uh, on this next phase. Awesome. So, Good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. So, and then you mentioned, you know, some of the design team early on is located in Greenville, you know, working remotely with the team. And obviously they can come out and, and get engaged, you know, occasionally, but they're doing a lot of that work remotely. Was there anything that you guys focused on to make sure that they stayed in sync with everybody else? Was there, you know, any, any tips, tricks, or tools that you can share? Definitely. This is Kevin. No silver bullets, to be honest. 
Um, thanks to P&G, we had our initial kickoff meeting in Greenville with the lead designers. So that was great to start off the project, you know, face to face to put a face to a name. Uh, again, um, P&G was great with funding business trips for our designers out there. So I've been on projects where the client's like, nope, do a telecom, do WebEx, that's it. it it's always helpful to have a designer walk the, the piping route and be able to take sketches and notes and take those back to the design house. Um, again, it sounds kind of simple, but just continuing pushing that. And again, P&G was a, a great uh, advocate of that, uh, that collaboration. I mean, it, it sounds simple, but it, it's what made it happen. I agree. Was there anything that surprised you guys about the project team and how they work together? Oh, man, that's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. This is Kevin. I'll chime in again. I'm not trying to give Scott a big head here, but I've been on projects <laughs> in my 14 years where I have my client counterpart and that's it. No, mm -hmm. Nobody else is involved. There is no program manager that comes in and does health checks. Scott, you know, it wasn't just a flyby. He'd come in, you know, once every few months. He was on site quite a bit helping Helping me, helping my counterpart within my bosses think I was there like every couple of weeks, not were, every few months. Right? You were there every case they're listening. <laughs> I, those, those trips really were to Utah yeah, every other. Week. I thought you lived there. In Utah. <laughs> yeah. and again, having that client involvement. Sometimes, again, speaking honest, honest here from a GC standpoint, we don't want forty of the client representatives. We almost just want, hey, you're paying us good money. Let us do our job. But having not only the client project manager there every day in the trailers with us, Wendy Palmer, but Scott and his team there on a regular basis just to make sure that, hey, Wendy and Kevin, how are things going? I, I would be surprised at that probably the most. I think my biggest surprise goes back to that first answer I gave, which is just the culture on the team. I, I feel like so many of these projects, the uh, relationship between, you know, the EPC contractor and the client or the owner, I don't know. There's just like, it's like each, each side's kind of jockeying to figure how much can we squeeze out of each yeah, other. It's right? too contractual, right? Yeah. And um, so I just, I, you know, Kevin wasn't going to give the project away for free and I wasn't going to pay every time he wanted to do every little change, of course, but I don't know. I just feel like the, the culture that we had on this team was one where um, everybody treated each other really fair. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some really hard conversations. I know you and Wendy did quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this was also a team that, you know, I know uh, that some of you were like, you know, going out together in the evenings and on weekends and stuff too. you know, uh, contractor and client together, um, which just shows how well this team liked working with each other. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, we're going to schedule a team building you know, right. twice a year and then you don't have to schedule something just because you get along with that, that person or team and you just hang out once a month. And again, I, I was out there with my wife 2000 miles away from home and a lot of the locals, right. including P&G and the subs, you know, brought us in and it just, a, again, a great environment. It really becomes a whole community. Absolutely. Yeah. So Scott, earlier you mentioned one of the things that you guys learned from this project, you know, that you would carry forward to the next one and having that dedicated big room space. Yep. Is there anything else that you can point to that, you know, was a really key learning, whether it's something that was a missed opportunity or whether it's something that it goes mm -hmm. did really well that you would carry forward? Yeah, I mean, every project, I think this is Scott, every project, I think you walk away with some 
things that you can look back and say, oh, man, I definitely would have, would do that differently. Um, the one that I will mention right now um, that stood out to me the most was, and it, it connects to the, you know, learning from the, you know, last planner first and pull planning experience that we had on 211. And that is having a more dedicated um, scheduling resource on the project to help lead those activities. Mm -hmm. um, we really did have a super lean team out there, um, both on floor side and, and especially on PNGs have very few people for a, a project of this size. And um, I think we, we made it work. Um, we hit schedule on most parts of the project, um, uh, not all, but most. And I think we could have done better if we'd have had a, a dedicated uh, resource to help actually just own that part of the project. Yeah, I agree. So. But this is Kevin. My, uh, I completely agree with that. What I would add is if the project has time, which we did not with the, the restart of this, but this was a restart for various reasons. If the project has time in the future, do a true formal IFO, a integrated form of agreement, actually get that structure in place so there's not only gain, but there's pain. Floor did have a bit of pain. We, we put our fee at risk um, with this incentive savings. P&G funded the incentive uh, portion. However, some of our main subcontractor partners, yeah, we would talk a good game, but contractually they had very little risk. I think if we were to do this all over again three years ago, we would say, all right, P&G Floor, let's put a true IFOA together. Let's structure this right. Let's make sure these local subs who maybe have never done this before, know how to do it. Let's walk them through and let's knock it out. I agree. With that I one. think it's a really good takeaway. So did you guys find, you know, this being a fairly new effort, Lean IPD and running a project like this and it being a sizable project at that, did you guys find that there were new behaviors or skills required to successfully manage a project in this sort of an environment? Um, I think for me, this is Scott, I think for me, the one thing that I had to learn and that I hadn't really done so much before is on a project team like this. I mean, I've done it as part of like just broader organizational health assessments, but to actually really put some focus on culture of the team rather than just my natural tendency just to jump in and start executing, right? Um, cost, schedule, quality, safety, the normal things. For me to actually take a step back and, and think about what is the, what's the culture that we want, how are we going to tie that to success, and how, what, what actions can we put in place to actually create that culture. Spending time on that element was something that um, was a little bit uh, broadening for me. So. And if you do it right, it drives all those other outcomes, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. I, like I said, I think you know, the very first question you asked me was one of the biggest, biggest things on the project. And it was that, but it didn't come by accident. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll add to that. This is Kevin. I, I couldn't agree more in my past projects. You know, I'm an engineer by trade. I like to stick to the facts and to be honest, culture is more of a softer topic, touchy feely that makes me a little uncomfortable and uh, a mill right who's been in the industry for 40 years on a construction site might not understand it as well but again from our collaborative design sessions talking about what do we want the culture to be i would take that and twice a week i would attend our our hsc meetings where we would onboard new craft 
first thing I would do would introduce myself, shake everybody's hand, and then talk about culture, talk about the outcome of these collaborative design sessions and the culture we wanted on Project 211. Then we would get into HSC and talk about the scope of the site and the rules and processes. But talking, hopefully, and I, I think our, our safety record shows that, that that message coming from the project manager and the client about, okay, this Project 211, they're serious about the culture they want. They don't just want to do this project on time and under budget. They, they want to talk culture. So. Awesome. Is there anything that you guys would do differently next time? You did give the, the big room example. I think the big room example, um, and then Kevin mentioned, you know, really starting up front with the full the IFOA. Um, those are two really big ones. I'm trying to think if there's something else that stands out. Not start foundations in February in Northern Utah. Yeah, other than that, right? right out there. Come oh, wait. July. oh, wait, we're getting ready to do that again. What? Yeah, I heard, I heard. <laughs> what advice would either of you give to others looking to innovate and truly make change in our industry? What advice would you give to someone who's looking to maybe try running a project in a different way? Um, this is Scott. I'll, I'll take a first stab at that. Um, I think step one is just to you know, look around and see what other um, successes are being had by trying some of these new methodologies, right? I mean, when I first started here in Lean IPD, I was like, oh, how's that different than just good old-fashioned Lean? And right, so I actually went out and just educated myself a little bit and met with some other people um, to see how it was possible. Um, the second thing I would add is don't get, you know, tricked into believing that the 40-year experience millwright that Kevin mentioned isn't going to be interested in this, right? They're people too. And uh, I think sometimes we think that, you know, coming up with some new fangled approach, oh, you know, those experienced guys and experienced craft in the field, they're not going to be receptive to this. Um, well, I think that's wrong. I mean, if we can show that we can make the work site better for them, like, of course, they're going to be interested in it. And uh, so I think, you know, just don't be resistant to that change or don't, don't you know, don't kind of give yourself this false sense of, you know, nobody's going to really want to try to do this anyway. So why should we? Yeah, exactly. so, yeah. yeah, this is Kevin. Exactly. And I would say to that person or people, IPD is not an initiative, right? When I hear the word initiative, it has a start and more importantly, it's got an end date. And Scott said, oh, how's Lean IPD different than Lean? This is truly what I see where our client, our owners and the contractors are going with integrated project delivery. So be open-minded that this is not an initiative. This is the way the industry is working. Um, and, and it's like Scott said, floor CEO, we, we hear it all the time is challenge those people, whether they've been sitting in their cubicle in Greenville designing for 30 years, or been out in construction site for 30 years, challenge those people that say, well, I've always done it this way. Right? challenge them. And as Scott said, show them examples. We can now, with Project 211, thankfully say, here's how we, we changed the game. And look, look at this beautiful award. So, right on. Thank you guys so much for being here and for taking some time away to talk to me. Um, congratulations on the success of this project and on the award. And I look forward to hearing more about next projects.
Yeah, thank you, Kelsey. Thanks for having us, and thanks for helping us get off to a great start on Project 211. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution Pod, brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod, or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.